Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tiantian. Now, today we're going to talk about one of the world's largest software companies that is currently playing in the cloud technology and enterprise IT space. Now, drum rolls and bingo if you guessed Oracle. Now, founded in 1977, Oracle provides organizations around the world with computing infrastructure and software to help them innovate, unlock efficiencies, and become more effective. Uh, these include your enterprise resource planning software, human capital management software that companies use to streamline mundane operations like financial reporting, payrolls processing, or to better analyze customer needs. Now, serving some 430,000 customers in 175 countries, the firm generated some 50 billion US dollars in revenue in FY 2023. But really, what is the role of APEC in the bigger scheme of things? Now, on that note, Oracle had in April announced a plan to open a second cloud region in Singapore to meet the growing demand for its cloud services. But what does it mean by a cloud region and how does it position the firm for future growth? Well, lots of questions and for the answers I have with me, Chris Jalaya, Senior VP, Technology and Customer Strategy at Oracle JPEG. And uh, Chris, welcome. Thank you, Tian Chen. Thank you very much for having me today. Great to have you on board. And Chris, we've briefly talked about Oracle as one of the world's largest software firms. And uh, you provide software that perhaps streamlines financial reporting, helping with payrolls. But I understand you guys have moved to look mostly at cloud-supported software these days uh, as compared to when the firm first started. So tell us more about your value proposition and business model then. Yeah, thank you. As you correctly pointed out, we started in Silicon Valley in 1977. Within 10 years, we were ranked as the number one of the world's largest database management company. We weren't the first database company, but obviously we were very different. And we're very different in them because we focus on the customers and giving customers the choice. So uh, if you look at what Oracle's doing, it's being the building blocks has been data is at the heart of everything we do for the customers. So it started with database management. Then we went to, as you said, pick up their business processes, the applications. It was all about businesses and capturing the business processes and helping them streamline that. We then went into the the systems of the hardware and storage business and managing this data at scale. And most recently, uh, into the cloud business as well, where we're delivering all of this innovation and all of this capability for our customers over the cloud. So it's really democratizing access to customers uh, across a wide spectrum of industries, markets, and size of business. And Chris, what would you then say is your positioning strategy within the industry? I mean, a quick search on the internet shows the likes of SAP, Microsoft, Salesforce as your competitors. How far do you compete uh, with these players? Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a, if I could summarize what we, where we offer and where we compete in the different spaces in the market, The first is around infrastructure and what we provide for infrastructure for our customers to run all of their applications and businesses. The second is around business applications. And the third is around industry, specific industry applications, whether that's FSI or telco or manufacturing, utilities, healthcare. So, you know, our ability to help customers across these different spectrums means we compete with different players in different portions of the markets. In infrastructure, yes, we do compete with the other cloud hyperscalers. In applications, you, you, you mentioned SAP. Um, certainly, Oracle uh, offers a, a range of, 
ERP and people management software and customer experience software. And then for the specific industries, we typically compete and play with niche providers, you know, a core banking provider in the FSI space or a utilities a customer care and billing provider in the utility space. So there's a number of uh, customers and a broad range of customers that we compete in. And for the customers where we're engaged, our differentiation is our ability to bring these services as one for them. So really giving them a seamless experience across this entire stack. Hmm. And let's zoom in on your global presence, Chris. I believe Oracle serves customers in 175 countries around the world. But what is the scale of operations within the JPEG region where you're involved in? And where does it fit in the wider business portfolio? Yeah, if I were to look at this, and I just it's always good to just put things in perspective. Just four years ago, uh, and let's look at Oracle as a whole globally. Just four years ago, in 2019, uh, Oracle had one cloud region. And you fast forward to today, we have 46 cloud regions across 23 countries. That's the pace at which we're growing. And we're growing, and this expansion is really driven by customer demand. Uh, as you said, if I bring this back into the region, in Singapore, we, we launched our second region recently. And, you know, it really gives our partners and our customers the opportunity to locate their applications as close as possible to them. With the spread of cloud regions that we have globally, including in Asia Pacific, across Southeast Asia, uh, across Japan, Korea, India, and ANZ markets, um, it really gives our customers choice and uh, uh, to, be, to be in the space. If you look at where we serve the customers, just in Asia Pacific, we've got uh, Japan and Asia Pacific, 90,000 customers. You imagine what a day could look like when you wake up in the morning and you turn on a light switch at home. Well, that utility is probably using Oracle's software to balance the grid. You get dressed for work and you call a taxi. Well, those applications are probably using Oracle to match the passenger to the taxi. You pick up your kids and take them to school and they go to class and enrichment classes. Well, they're probably the education system is running on the Oracle stack. You get a coffee. The point of sale system that you swipe at the store is probably running on the Oracle system. You check your messages on your phone. Uh, the core billing system is running on the Oracle system. You plan a trip on an airline uh, and the airline reservation system is probably running on Oracle. You get to the other end, you get into the hotel lobby and you check in. The hotel check-in system is probably running on Oracle, and you know, and you know, you swipe your credit card to check in, and that banking tra transaction is probably running on Oracle. So, if you look at that spectrum uh, across Japan and Asia Pacific, we've got customers in every one of those segments that I just talked about that touch customers or their customers every single day on an Oracle system. Mm, and if I were just to very simply pick up some points that you mentioned, you talked about 90,000 customers in the JPEG region. And if we look at Oracle serving around 430,000 customers around the world, that really gives a, a perspective as to how important the region is when it comes to profit generation, perhaps. Uh, but let's look specifically at Southeast Asia, um, Chris. Another point that you mentioned is that Oracle announced a plan in April to open a second cloud region in Singapore to meet growing demand for its cloud services within Southeast Asia. To take things into perspective, first of all, what exactly is a cloud region and how does having a second cloud region position the firm for the future? Yeah, you know, uh, cloud is all about customers wanting to access these business services, as we call them, and all of those examples that I gave you really seamlessly. And with, you know, and, and to do that and to that with a good experience for my customer's customer, 
right? So the person who's buying the coffee or the person who's checking in at the hotel, their experience, they want that to be seamless. They want that to be fast. They want that to be secure. And cloud regions basically is a location where these services run out of. And so the closer they are to the customer, the better performance you get, uh, the better experience that my customers' customers get when they're sitting at that check-in line or when they're sitting to swipe their card to buy their coffee. So that's kind of what a cloud region is. So the importance of being closer to the customer in the cloud is important for our customers' customers' experience. That's number one. The second aspect is around regulatory requirements, where more and more you know, organizations uh, and critical infrastructure is being brought in to be closer and to be residing in a particular country. One of the things, a unique advantage that Oracle has is our ability to build not just our public cloud regions, we've told you we've got 46 of those in 23 countries, um, but we've shrunk the cloud footprint so that we can build it anywhere for a customer. So we can actually build it inside a customer's existing facilities today. Uh, and if you look at what we've got, we've got in addition to our 46 cloud regions that are public cloud regions, we've got another 18 sort of customer facing regions that are serving specific customers inside their own, uh, inside their own environments. Wow, okay. And let's talk a little bit more about Generative AI, Chris, which is the topic of the year. I believe Oracle had in September introduced generative AI-powered capabilities to improve customer service. So tell us more about what generative AI means for your product pipeline uh, looking ahead in the near term. You know, super, super exciting. And, you know, the, it's, it, I, when I think generative AI, I almost want to replace that word with the, uh, you know, the art of the possible is generative AI. If you look at Oracle's history, we've been embedding AI and machine learning into our infrastructure, into our applications over the last 30 odd years. Um, it's been there as part of our business applications, part of our uh, ERP and our supply chain and our human resource management, uh, human capital management uh, systems over the last 30 years. What's changed in the AI space is three things. You know, the algorithms have gotten more, more powerful, the compute has gotten more powerful, and the networking has gotten more powerful. And it, it means that now AI can go from just being predictive into generative. So it can start to reason effectively and provide you, you know, some content, by the, you know, um, some content that is generated on the fly. And what we're doing with this is we're embedding this capability into every single one of our applications. So whether you're doing a supply chain management or whether you're doing you know, your ERP or your human capital management and your training plan for your organization, or if I go back to the vertical applications, whether you're in, in the utilities, if you're balancing your power grid for you know, uh, renewable energy versus non-renewable energy, and how do you do that? Well, AI can help you with that. Generative AI can help you with that. Or if you're looking at uh, uh, patient care in the healthcare industry, you know doctors and summarization of prescriptions and, and and case studies and case notes using generative AI to do that, and we're embedding that into our healthcare solution. So, as broad as the spectrum that Oracle has in offering infrastructure, applications, and industry specialized applications, every single one of those is being infused with generative AI. And over and above that, though, I think what's really exciting is, you know, when you take the power of AI that's generic, something that if everybody else has got it, then it doesn't give you a competitive edge because everybody else has got the same thing. We've got the unique ability to help customers use the generic models of machine learning and then bring in their organization's learning 
and together get a very, very competitive edge in using generative AI that is specific to the IP, if you like, that's inside that organization. But doing all of that and keeping the data extremely controlled and extremely private so that your IP stays within your organization. It's a huge differentiator that we bring for customers in this, in this space. Wow. Um, if you're just tuning in, we are now speaking to Chris Chalaya, Senior VP Technology and Customer Strategy at Oracle JPEG. And speaking of uh, generative AI, uh, Chris, I do want to talk about this, right? Um, the firm signed a multi-year partnership with Microsoft to provide computing infrastructure that supports the explosive growth of AI-enabled Bing uh, conversational search. Some observers on the ground, they say that basically demand for the Bing search engine is so much so that Microsoft had to go back to its competitor, Oracle, to rent out services from them and rent up capacity from them. Uh, so what is the rationale behind the move then? So I, I think there's a couple of ways to look at that. And, you know, the when you look at um, what is behind all of this is its customers. It's all about what our customers need, our joint customers need across Microsoft and Oracle, right? So we see partnerships in the industry as key to keep our customers getting what they need to do or what they want in, in, in this space. So um, Oracle's cloud infrastructure is a second generation infrastructure. I talked earlier about the explosive growth in AI and it's driven by three things, algorithms, um, compute algorithms and data and algorithms compute and then this networking because you need all of these AI uh, uh, GPUs to be working together in tandem to make this reasoning or this inferencing as it's called right um, and the Oracle cloud infrastructure gives delivers a second to none in terms of performance in building and computing these models and I think in this partnership, uh, you know, that, that's what is being leveraged. Oracle's ability in Oracle Cloud Infrastructure to really build models faster, to infer from models faster, and that helps our joint customers get a better experience on the cloud. Our partnership here is not new. We've partnered with Microsoft over the last three years, four years now, since 2019, where we had already let Microsoft customers and Oracle's customers work together so we effectively broke down the walls between our two clouds so that we can get customers have the choice of services that they want to have in either cloud it's all about giving customers what they want and getting customers to the outcome of what they want so 2019 we created an interconnect between the two clouds uh, last year we announced you know uh, Data, uh, database services that were available across the cloud and this is just an extension of that journey um, tapping into the unique differentiators that Oracle has in the infrastructure for building AI models and for uh, uh, inferencing on AI models. So it's really second to none in the, in the hyperscale cloud space. Hmm. And if I may just follow up a little bit more, right, um, Chris, how far do you think the explosive growth in AI and the rapid need for more capacity will reshape the competitive landscape and the software industry? Can we see more of such for lack of better words, frenemies collaborations going forward. Look, I, I think I think again, it, it all depends. In, in different organisations have different perspectives, and I think from an Oracle perspective, we have two things at the heart of everything we do. We've been around since 1977. There's two things. It is about giving customers what they need to to innovate and grow 
fast, right? That's kind of what we do. That's what we do for the enterprise space. And the second thing that we do, it's, it's a core DNA for Oracle, is around giving customers choice. If you look at everything that we've done over the last, you know, 47 years or whatever it is that we've been around, it's been about giving customers choice. Um, to run our IP on our cloud, to run it on customers' data centers, to run it on a third-party cloud. It's something we've done, uh, you know, it's not something new. We've been doing this for, you know, over the last four decades. So I think I think that capability is and it's because as a company, we're focused on the customer. As a company, we focus on the customer outcome. So I think where that is the, that is the case, you will see more and more of this, you know, breaking down the walls, if you like, to give customers the outcome that they they're looking for. Um, I, I look at generative AI, and I think there's two types of AI that we see. One is sort of the what I call everyday AI, which is you know something that you, if you're you're, you're in, in the an enterprise, you or all of your competitors can do it because it's, you're on an equal level. First. So you want to do that to drive efficiencies into your organization. If you're not doing that, your competitor is, your competitor is going to be more efficient than you, right? But then there's also transformative AI. Transformative AI is where you're doing something with Gen AI that you couldn't do in the past. Um, and it's really going to be, it's a top line growth. It's really about driving, you know, new capability in the organization. And I think that's where, uh, uh, with our what we call private AI, the ability for organizations to take public models and augment that with private data and do that in the privacy of their cloud tenancy and drive innovation really quickly. I think that's a huge differentiator that Oracle Cloud Infrastructure brings for our customers. On the everyday AI as well, what we can do is, you know, we're embedding AI in everyday processes. So everything you do in your you know, ERP, everything you do in your supply chain, in your human capital management, in your customer experience portfolios, we're ingesting AI into that. So you just consume that out of the box. So we're making our customers more productive every day on that front. And we're giving them a platform to bring their IP and use Gen AI and build innovation that nobody else can build. So it's uh, everyday AI and transformative AI in a single platform, the Oracle Cloud Infrastructure. Mm, and I like how you mentioned that because the second part to my question is actually when we have so much partnership and collaborations and firms become so interdependent on one another, what then happens when it comes to competition and gaining additional market share, which you explained with the everyday AI and the transformative AI? Um, and looking ahead, if I may sidetrack a little, Chris, how would you assess the industry's reliance on players like NVIDIA uh, with over 90%, some say 90, some say 80 plus percentage of the market share in the chip industry as uh, it writes the generative AI wave. How would you assess your reliance then? Look, uh, I think, you know, let, let me take a step back again before I answer that. You know, when you think about AI, you talk about machine learning and AI, uh, people think about GPUs and GPUs was when we talked about one of the three accelerators of AI was, you know, compute, right, which is GPUs. And when you think of GPUs, you do think of NVIDIA, right? Um, what I like to say is, you know, if you look at NVIDIA, the NVIDIA chipset is available across all of the hyperscale cloud providers today. Um, but if you think of where NVIDIA deploys their own models today, it is only available on the Oracle cloud infrastructure. For the reasons that I talked about earlier, the fact that, you know, we do have this networking capability to build these very large clusters of GPUs um, that that you need for models. So you can go and, you know, get GPUs as sole GPUs in each of the other clouds or the hyperscale cloud providers. But when NVIDIA thinks about building models, they only deploy that on the Oracle cloud infrastructure. So I think there's, you know, uh, like 
you know, innovation is always, you know, uh, innovation always drives competition and competition, you know, feeds innovation, vice versa. So I think with NVIDIA, uh, it does have a huge share of the uh, of the mindset at the moment around uh, model development. But we also see, you know, uh, the other alternatives, you know, there are organizations, sorry, the other the other chip manufacturers in in, in in the ARM chips and in the AMDs and Intels are all coming out with equivalents. And I think it's be one of those things where the market will balance itself over time. And, uh, you know, but the, what's good news for customers is that there's feed of, you know, feed of innovation. You know, NVIDIA certainly got uh, leadership in the space at the moment, but we don't see their competitors sitting around doing nothing. Everybody is innovating to catch up and potentially leapfrog. So I think that's good for customers because, what machine learning and AI needs is vast amounts of three things. It's vast amounts of compute working together in a highly clustered network like OCI delivers. And then once you've got that, you need to feed that beast, if you like, feed it with data. You need access to data. And if you look at where Oracle plays in the space, um, we have a very close working relationship with, with NVIDIA. On the, on the compute, we have a you know very highly differentiated network to build out these large clusters. Our DNA is around data management for customers. We've been around for four to four decades doing data management for customers. Um, so bringing those three elements together, ingredients together, um, really means we can you know deliver for customers some superior outcomes in this generative AI space. From your pointers, I do gather that economies of scale is really on, on your side as well. Before we let you go, Chris, uh, what are some future plans for Oracle for the rest of this year and into the next? What can we look forward to in the JPEG region? Uh, I think you're going to see uh, a lot more of what, we, what we've already seen today, which is this exponential growth. Um, and if you look at where, you know, with, with, with customers looking at adopting technology, I think, you know, what we have unique in this market is we have a huge uh, technology, uh, we have a, sorry, a huge population base that is very, very technology, uh, technologically savvy. And so um, I think, you know, with that, I go back to the ingredients for generative AI. The ingredients is data, right? One of the three ingredients is data. And so if you look at Oracle's position in this market and we're growing with data centers, as you talked about Singapore and others, um, we're growing with bringing the compute closer and closer to our customers. Um, and what the region feeds us with is data. And, you know, as customers bring more and more data into this, we're going to see, you know, growth in, in leadership in the space of adoption in generative AI in the space because we have a lot of data to work with. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. That was Chris Chalaya, Senior VP Technology and Customer Strategy at Oracle JPEG. Thank you very much for joining us on MoneyFM 89.3. Before acting on the information on MoneyFM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance.